Alice Mining. Recent hydromet test work delivers a two to three percent improvement in recoveries relative to the scoping study. Um, despite that, the share price today is down 4%. They're focusing on the high-grade sulphide um, instead of worrying about the oxide, potentially. Getting noisy about IRA-compliant, value-added critical minerals. Last week, there were even headlines in the AFR that Chalice, Wailoon, BHP sounding the alarm that the uh, US could establish a free trade agreement with Indonesia, making the nickel from the HPALs over there eligible for IRA compliance. Money miners Zach Burton on number three without a fight has taken out the Melbourne Cup. Congratulations to everyone that had a punt on that. And I'll tell you, Trav, one bloke that I know would have chucked a bet on number three without a fight and is probably rolling in cash is Mr. Adrian Silla, the purchaser and now proud owner of the GC003 hat. Well done, well done, Adrian. Good it, on you, Adrian. And mate, I reckon 100% he has bet on number three. Is that, is that the Adrian that's active in the Hoodoo chat, do you reckon? I'm oh, not. I'd, I'd say because it exclusively went out to the Hoodoo before, yeah. before public. So, mate, GC hats <laughs> are sold out too in, just in a day. But, mate, congratulations, Adrian. I assume you bet on number three. Yeah. If you didn't, then what, what, what were you thinking, mate? Mate, do yourselves a favour, <laughs> money miners. Have six beers and go back and watch the 2005 Melbourne Cup where Maccabi Diva mm. takes out. I reckon that's had 10 million views and I've been responsible for 9 million <laughs> of them. I'll watch that over and over again. Maccabi Diva and a champion becomes a legend. You've got a real um, race calling voice, Matty. I don't know if you ever thought about that one. I've also got an auctioneer voice and I'm going to chuck oh. a cowboy hat on for the Money and Mine live <laughs> event and we, when we do the auction for GC001. <laughs> apparently we've got to t- tone back the uh, the hat talk. Um, there was a bit of feedback apparently in uh, one of the one of the Hot Copper forums saying that – Oh, Hot we, Copper. We yeah, talk let's about, hold a bit of weight to that then. <laughs> I didn't read it. I just got told it. Yeah. Uh, apparently we talk about hats too much, but while we're still talking about hats, Matty. Uh, hats have sold out. They've sold out. 100 hats. I um, And I bet you the person that was whinging in Hot Copper is not an owner of one. <laughs> so, yeah, suck on that. <laughs> Right, oh, Travlet, mate, we've got a bit to get through. We've got Albemarle chucking up some smoke screens, possibly. We've also got Chalice updating their metal urgy. We're going to go right into that. Trav, you also get your potash fix, as per usual, with Reward Minerals. Thanks for mm-hmm. educating me on another company. Uh, we've got a bit of photon assay chat about Chrysos. And- Chrysos. Chrysos. Yep. Thank you very much. No worries, mate. Sorry, JD is here in spirit. Yep. And, uh, mate, you just didn't get away with it. No. Companies. Trav is about to rip in to the late quarterlies of the quarterly season. I'm not sure we can be as brutal as normal because we are late covering our late, the late yeah, quarterly true. name and shame. So yeah, well, at least you got that out before <laughs> someone was a smart ass and said it. Right, <laughs> Trav, before we rip in, as per usual, because this is the favourite part of the show for me, is presenting the sponsors. we got two wicked ones today. We have got two. Now, first off, and now first time I've presented this one, which excites me, is Future Proof mm. Consulting. And now, obviously, their, their sustainability and just overall ESG gurus, and I'm going to really sex that up for the money miner. Mm. And before I did this, I had to logically call Ben Swan yesterday and like develop the relationship because I can't be given 
this no. sponsorship away without having a connection you have to believe with the it, owner man. of these businesses. And look, I chatted to him. He's past the GC filter. Yep. He gives he gives me the give, give me the rundown. Very passionate about this niche part of the industry he's found in. And I look, I extracted this from one of the future proof documents, like the how we can help, how future proof <laughs> can help. And it's one of those businesses that is sorting out one of those two hard basket things for companies. You know, when you just like, let's read through this step-by-step -step reporting guidance from planning to execution. I couldn't be bothered doing that. Well, it's, it's, if I was yeah. working for a mining company, engaging stakeholders, I don't mind doing that actually. I like talking to people, um, <laughs> measure and report state sustainability goals and activities. Yep. Bugger that. Find someone else. Framework advice and support. Nah, don't understand it. Wouldn't do it. Uh, Competitor and post report analysis, another report wouldn't I wouldn't do that either. ESG score I, improvement, I'd just probably fudge it. I, I feel like the, the like that mentality, Maddie, is kind of um yeah, it's it's not an uncommon one in the industry. And and speaking with Ben myself, I think, you know, like he he kind of talks about his business in a way where like the the deliverable is is largely a sustainability report for a lot of these companies, but there's a, a bit of a process which goes towards both of the um, you know the strategy, the guidance bit, and and also a little bit of the education piece on what is important. Ben will tell you himself that ESG scores and ESG ratings are bollocks. They are. We know that. It's and and the whole rationale that mining companies actually like like are incentivized to in order to even like get some of this stuff um, in order is because. It makes them more appealing to other new capital f flows, bigger institutions, all that sort of stuff. That's the driving incentive. The differentiator with um, Ben Swan's business is um, is like I, I really can see that those guys they get the fact that it's BS, but there's there's like we all should just be doing things responsibly. We should be mining in the right way. We should have governance that um, keeps bloody people accountable. Um, and, and that's what he stands for and that's what I like about it. And they, they work with a lot of the companies we talk about very frequently. You go on their website, they've done sustainability reports and work for Remelius, Regis, Capricorn. Mate, biggest, biggest clients, Talisman Lithium, which is green bushes. Yeah. And, uh, mate, and a lot more. So Very funny anecdote uh, while, we're, while we're still talking about them. Ben shared mm. on a LinkedIn post about partnering with Money & Mine. He posts on LinkedIn, Futureproof is really excited to be partnering with Money & Mine. We love the boys' focus on the G in ESG and like we do, stand for responsible mining practices and governance in a manner that is aligned with the value creation for shareholders. Uh, in the comments section, mate, I noticed this one from uh, Michael Williams. He goes, what a lineup, future proof and money of mine together. What more could you want besides a 001 hootery hat made with an ethical supply chain? Mate, look at Michael Williams' Sustainability title. superintendent at Bellevue Green Gold Limited. <laughs> right. <laughs> if any company you want backing you, they've got the future proof's got the backing of the green gold. The sustainability so, superintendent. There you go. Thanks for coming on board, future proof. And oh, no. glad to get this out of my system. And now, yeah. Tell you what, one I am comfortable with and have a relationship with, and that is K-Drill. And like purely for the fact of my long-term standing relationship with Rhino Sullivan, and that is why that the K-Drill ads are so good. And that I hope to have that relationship with every partner. That is my aim. So look, check out. There are so drilling experts. We've got them in action here. Check out. We've got the K-Drill truck. Have a look at that for a prime piece of machinery and look the cadrill boys in action uh, bloody what is it snatching sam snatching bags, snatching bags which is you want to go throwing bags throwing bags snatching bags. bags they're just filling bags up with 
hopefully or they can't guarantee you or they'll guarantee you rock chips. I'm really confused about these photos because I was under the impression that they actually didn't have kit and that uh, Ryan's hands were actually like diamond drill drill bits themselves. So well, I'm actually that, quite disappointed. It's funny you mention that, Trav, because word on the decline is K-Drill are awaiting imminent expansion. Word on the decline, wow. possibly possible imminent expansion. Now, expansion could mean more RC rigs. It could mean other types of rigs or it could mean actually expanding into – the field of bare hand drilling. Could um, be cloning Ryan? Could you do that? Yeah, genetic manipulation. Gene- <laughs> yeah, of Rhino Sullivan. Imagine Mate, if you had we 10 went, Rhino Sullivans. Jesus Christ. We I'll went, just have all 10 of them sponsor. We went into uh, <laughs> be let's so see, easy. yesterday with a certain uh, uh, uh person and Q looks at the T-shirt that says K-Drill and he, he literally brings out a rock from behind his counter. I don't know where it come from and he's like, you're not Ryan O'Sullivan. Crush this right now with your beer. I was blown away. I just didn't. I wanted to film it. Wish I'd filmed it. Didn't film it. Ryan, give me a buzz. We've got to go get a barn me one day. But, uh, <laughs> mate, I'm looking forward to hear about these imminent expansion to see if they're actually leveraging off this bare hand drilling all the way to China techniques that we've been plugging because they're probably getting a shitload of interest and because people think it's true uh, because it is. So thank you, K-Drill, and Future Proof for all your support. Right, Trav, let's rip into it. Albemarle, apparently getting out of M&A. They had a little, uh, little little news article come up today. They've, they've, they're pulling back. What was what was the article that you saw? Well, Maddie? you look at the little screenshot here. Albemarle says it's pulling back on its M&A activity, yada, yada. We continue to evaluate a broader range of M&A opportunities. However, in the current environment, the scale of those opportunities are not as Big. Now, Trav, we know the, the lithium price isn't at the all-time crazy, crazy highs when companies were literally making 10 to 11 times on the cost. Look at look at it. It's fallen from over 80,000 a tonne to about, what, a bit over 22,000 US a tonne. That's the lithium carbonate price in the last 12 months. Mm. But are Albemarle, are they spooked <laughs> by the activities of Chris Gina and like a bit traumatised after the failed Town bid or they well, they, they mentioned the current environment. JD via his rottenest office mm. has questioned Albemarle's counter-cyclical investment <laughs> thoughts, which would align with Joe Lowry's thoughts of Albemarle. Yeah. Or is it a bit of smoke and mirrors, you think, Cobber? Yeah, I, I don't read too much into um – what companies tell you about their M and A ambitions in the aftermath of a of a bid that didn't eventuate? Like, a, yeah, I wouldn't take I'd take it with a grain of salt. To be honest, it's like the playbook is um, if if you pull back from a bid or a bid gets knocked back, then you publicly, you know, talk down the prospects of another bid so that if you have a desire to re-engage at a later date, you're not there's not an M and A premium baked into that. Share price already. That sounds very familiar. It does, mate. I, the one that I mentioned to you that um, I talked through as a bit of a case study was like when when BHP acquired Oz Minerals. So I think you know BHP came in with a um, a, a twenty five dollar per share bid in in August twenty twenty two. The bid was lobbed aftermarket on a Friday. By Monday morning, you know Oz Minerals had come out saying the board had knocked it back on value grounds. Um, it was all kind of disclosed publicly, and everything just went quiet for months to the point where the market sort of starts questioning, is BHP even going to come back 
at all. Like there was just quiet. And, and mate, I'm pretty sure you remember Mike well, Henry they, himself kind of publicly talking down the prospects of even acquiring them. Well, that was – and that was two months after the bid. He came out and said that Oz Minerals was a nice to have, not a must have, and said they were uh, ready to step away from the takeover process. And then yeah. I think it was a month and a bit after that, mid-November, yep. yep. they come out of the woodworks and lifted the bid to 28 25 another yep. $1.2 on top. Agree a scheme right yep. before the um, – Right before December, it, it's sort of like the playbook is if, if you know, you, you publicly talk down the prospects, so then you get a deal done at the best possible value if you are still interested. I don't know if Albemarle's um, like are still there or not, but you, you wouldn't read anything into the public statement that they're not. Smoke and mirrors. I love it, Cobbett. Mate, Chalice Mining, yep. CHN. So yep. they released a metallurgy update to the market today. And look, we've um, everyone – knows we did the episode on their scoping study. The market reacted very poorly to that scoping study, but they have released some further information today about metallurgy and some possible possible different strategies on how to approach this behemoth of an operation. Riccardinio, yeah, take think, it away, mate. What's the feel of it? Yeah, I think um, – so So what they they – Open the announcement with is sort of saying that recent hydromet test work delivers a two to three percent improvement in recoveries relative to the scoping study. Um, despite that, the share price today is down four percent and and down sixty four percent since the release of that scoping study. There's a bit more info in the announcement that um, you can read into the strategy that Chalice Management are taking in the aftermath of the the scoping study sell off, um, and and those key points are that they're continuing to evolve the flow sheet. Firstly, the, the second one is that they're focusing on the high-grade sulfide um, instead of worrying about the oxide potentially. So you can see this statement in there. They say additional staging options for the flow sheet to reduce capital costs. Um, these options include the stockpiling of oxide material to prioritise startup on sulfide only. And that reminds me of one of the tweets that we showed on screen in our first kind of uh, deep dive on the Chalice scoping study when we when we discussed it with Emmanuel Dat. This is a tweet from Keith Good. He's... um a geo and an analyst that uh, he's covered the global PGA players in, in depth in his, he was his pretty, past. He was pretty actively involved on Twitter around that chalice time, wasn't he? Yeah, and he, he says, uh, this is was his tweet that we flagged in that show. He goes, they need to ignore the oxide and just focus on the sulfide. No PGA operation uses pox slash autoclaves. Uh, it's a proper rising from people without PGA knowledge. South African PGA companies have tried almost everything and rejected it for its conventional route. Have we checked him, Keith Good, on LinkedIn? See if he's had any job updates? <laughs> no, he's an independent research guy. Oh, so he's not working for Chalice Mining uh, now. No, I, I don't know what he's – yeah, he's got his own little little, little thing going on. Um, the other the other takeaway is that they they talk about that lower capital stage starter pits focusing on the higher grade. Fascinatingly, mate, it, um, that strategy reminds me of a, of a tweet I saw from Keith about a year ago. Um, so this is the quote from Chalice. Uh, as such, modelling of staged high-grade open pit starter cases is underway. Keith Good on the 19th of October 2022, in my opinion, still starter pit route. Basically, you have to establish your own process route and then expand increase. It's what all the PGA producers have done. So <laughs> all in all, I think the the public narrative around the change in strategy is positive for Chalice. It does beg the question, though, like why didn't Chalice pursue this strategy earlier and have that be the kind of base case in the in the scoping study that, that came to market. I can only speculate here, but like when when you're a multi-billion dollar undeveloped project and you, you kind of, there's all these lofty expectations on what the value of the company's worth because the market cap's in the billions. Um, it's, it's probably quite daunting to choose a development star scenario where 
Um, you have an NPV that shows a fraction of what your market cap is because you've just done a, a low, like a starter pit kind of scenario um, on a low capital scenario. Even if your IRR would be higher by, by doing that. And it's really hard to convince the market that there's this you know, optionality from staged expansion, but you just sort of show the economics of the, um, of the low capital starter pit. Is that and because what is the impact on that, Trav? When you if you've got a staged expansion approach, if that are you saying if that staged expansion is not fully included in the study and it's just it's optionality to yeah. expand, it's not actually incorporated into the MPV you get out of that scoping study. Is that why it, mm. why it would have been significantly lower? Yeah, I mean, like one example is like look at um, I think Escondida. I don't know what their throughput is now, but when that mine started it was like like I think it was producing one eighth of its total annual production profile from a throughput perspective these days you don't finance a project and come to market saying it's going to be what it is today your base case is is that very first kind of production scenario but you have the optionality of increasing your production throughput over time and that's what the PGE players have done in uh, South Africa and Zimbabwe I believe so um what would that mean to your economics? Basically, if you just go the lower capex startup, I believe your NPV would be like lower than what we saw in the study, but your IRR is higher and, um, yeah, like your capital intensity is probably improved. Yeah, and the bold bold writing too in the in the headline will show here, I getting noisy about IRA compliant value-added critical minerals products. Yeah, so, yeah. We spent a bit of time talking about the metal price bifurcation in recent episodes, Maddie. Like specifically, there was a two-parter with Rusty. We did a follow-up with Todd Milan. Um, last week, there were even headlines in AF, the AFR that Chalice, Wailoom, BHP are sounding the alarm that the uh, US could establish a free trade agreement with Indonesia making the nickel from the H-PALs over there eligible for IRA oh, is compliance. That right? Yeah, which would be a big threat to all of the higher-cost um, nickel sulfide out in the, in the West. So is that is that looking like it's coming to – fruition or not i don't i i'm not close enough to that one you've seen some talk about it i remember having a brief chat with todd milan about it and he sort of thought um unlikely but there is some noise and lobbying for it um at this i think it's a point worth making but i stand behind our original discussion on the price decks when we um talked about the scoping study you want to see an undeveloped project stand up on its own feet you know on a base case price deck rather than counting on higher prices from bifurcated markets which haven't really materialized yet. Yeah, it's a bit of it's a punt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you want you, you want if you want to develop a project, like you want to use a price deck that um, is conservative rather than lofty. Yeah, it yeah. stands up if everything goes to shit. Yep. Yeah, cuz and it's funny you talk about that IRA compliant and that that bifurcation and we're waiting, waiting to see evidence. There is a, a bit of word on the decline. I have heard that European nickel sulfate, so nickel sulfate for everyone that doesn't know, that's like pretty much more refined than nickel metal. Nickel sulfate's what they use in the nickel-rich batteries. So your nickel metal is, uh, I think BHP's is 99.8% pure, whereas a nickel sulfate is 9998 percent pure so that's it's very pure nickel it's like the, yeah. the final stage and the european nickel sulfate has been trading at a premium compared to asian nickel so due to its but it's been both it's ira compliant because it's not coming out of china is that the asian nickel coming out of indonesia that's being converted yeah so it'd be like 
batted right. yeah, the Asian the yeah. Indonesian nickel will go to China. So yeah. technically, and it's and it's class. Well, it's class two, so it's right. not as wouldn't be as ASG compliant. Whereas your your European nickel sulfate, that's both IRA and ESG compliant. Mm. So yeah, it's uh, that traders are paying more money for that European nickel sulfate than nickel sulfate that's coming out of non IRA compliant areas. So Maddie, there is did, did there that? is evidence that this is happening, but I'm not telling you where it come from. Maddie, did and this you can't you can't say what you're about to say. <laughs> Questionable sources. Questionable sources. Conflicted but, interests. But it's, but it's word on the decline. That's what that's that's no no one will tell you anything if they haven't got a vested interest. <laughs> what did Cookie say on LinkedIn? It's only a rule if you're not in it. <laughs> I would love to see the um the receipts on these are uh, these these trades because I um like the IRA the IRA incentives aren't even I think they they become staged and become effective from uh from this thir- like thirty one December this year from memory yeah. so yeah look love love to see that sort of stuff but until I see the receipts I'm not um yeah not going to be, be talking about it as a real thing yet yeah and I think I think. The, also the word on the decline, the why it's on the down low is why, why we're not hearing about it. If it, if it is happening, why we're not hearing about it, I guess is because the downstream organisations don't really want to, I imagine they, they want to believe that, they don't want to believe that they will have to pay a premium for this, for products in the future purely based on where it was mined mm. and the carbon emissions and footprints that were needed to mine it. Provenance. So it's whose interest because, yeah, the inflate, what is it? ICA, the Inflation Creation Act. <laughs> That's because we tell you, yeah, go back and listen to Rusty's one if you want to get onto that one. Right. Beautiful, mate. Trav, mate. Yep. Have we got an intro music for this? No, we should though. We um, should. Yeah, I mean, we do, it, we do it every three months now. So I can bring up a flash thing. Name and shame. <laughs> Yeah, we're, um, it's a bit of a signature segment for us, basically talking about the companies that have been have lobbed their quarterly on the last possible day of the month and have been lazy. I'm going to use the word lazy. It's like after in the afternoon, you know, potentially when people, are, all the brokers have even left the firm so no one's actually checking the announcements rolling through. But we highlight what we see is um, maybe the, the things that, like why did they do that? If, if it wasn't just laziness, were, were there little bits of information that, you know, might, they might have been just trying to get past without everyone sort of prying into. Well, we want to pry into those little bits of information, it's like, mate. It's like reading a quarterly report backwards, Trav. Yep. Read all the quarterly reports in date descending <laughs> order. A hundred percent. It is a hundred percent Read like the late that. ones first because yeah. they're the most interesting probably. All right, mate. I'm going to rip through them. You ready? Righto. Give it to me, Ricardinho. 8.13 p.m. That's, uh, fuck, that's late. Yep. Lithium energy. So they're cutting it extremely fine. Only 17 minutes to spare. Like, do we cut them some slack? Because on the same day they dropped a scoping study. Uh, I don't think so. I just, I think they should have done it earlier, mate. So 8.05 p.m. AVZ Minerals. These guys are absolute repeat offender. Um, <laughs> what, what were they maybe, maybe like, you know, not wanting people to see? Well, they're running out of cash. International arbitration costs money. They appointed an advisor to seek funding. Um, so a bit of a funding solution for their working capital without being quoted. So it's a bit, bit trickier to do that when you, um, when you're not, when you don't have a ticker and a, and a trading price to, to do it with. Um, plus they're obviously defending against, uh, alternative director nominations and the likes. They're headed for a juicy AGM on the 23rd of November. I think we should go to that I one, Maddie. I don't see any dot points about ownership and lithium. 
Oh, there's, they, they did talk about all that sort of stuff, but I'm just I'm just selectively choosing what to talk about here. 7.50 p.m., NIMI resources, 1.5 million left in the kitty. They're in cash preservation mode. They're, in the details there, you can see that um, at, at the upcoming AGM, they're looking to settle $320,000 in drilling costs via equity. Um, that's, that's a resolution to be approved. But I hope the drilling company takes a good look at the terms of the convertible note with Lind Gold Fund first. I'll leave that one open-ended. Hint, We've hint, talked about hint. it in the past. 7.47 p.m., Corab Resources running on fumes. I'm actually impressed that a listed company only spent $56,000 in the entire quarter. So, oh, that's not I mean, bad. That's the smallest I've ever, I think I've ever seen. But yeah, good not on much, you. Good not on much you going on that, there, that's a, that's a Yeah, that's a high five. I don't think, I don't think anyone's working there. But uh, <laughs> 7.37 p.m., Strandline, Maddie. Oh, Trav, the infamous mineral sands. Yep. So they went into a trading halt four days earlier. It was on the Friday. Um, and, and when the quarterly comes out, in the latest possible hour, on the last day of the month, it's just sloppy. After raising $35 million, they claim to have $27 million cash at 30th of September. Operations Ooh. aren't making money yet. So this is the Coburn Mineral Sands operation. Negative $26 million from operations in the quarter. Here's the line that matters. The company is in suspension pending a review of the operations strategy and funding requirements as it seeks to ramp up the Coburn project. The big worrying thing for equity holders, there's $258 million in drawn debt in the capital structure there and repayments on the Nordic bond component um, are supposed to commence from March next year. Oh, geez. Tough spot to be in, mate. 6.11 p.m. Dreadnought running skinny with $3 million in the kitty at quarter end and still Spending a decent sum on exploration each quarter, but there's $6 million rolling through post-quarter end from replacement. 5.44 p.m. heavy minerals, common theme of tight cash, only 250K at quarter end. Subsequent to the quarter ending, there's 500K to come in the door though. Capital is tight at the moment and like it's so tight that we're starting to see a little bit of this alternative financing happening, Maddie. So that 500K that was raised um, subsequent to quarter end, was raised via subscribers to a 0.25% royalty on their Mineral Sands project plus some free attaching options. A royalty deal which even had a broker named as lead arranger kind of speaks to the state of equity market appetite for microcap mining companies right now, but they're finding a way to keep the lights on. 5.12 p.m. True North Copper. I'm following this one closely because there's a story to tell about all of the Queensland copper players and one day soon we're gonna we're gonna tell it. Um, maybe similar to our sort of gold M and A piece that we did. I really want to talk about all of the plays mm, in that Queensland some, gold they put region. Some high grade drill hits out, but today just yeah. read the widths of how <laughs> thick that eighteen percent copper was, or it was yeah. fourteen or eighteen. I'll um a over one meter. Yeah. So why am I interested in true north copper? Well, they recently put uh, the Cloncurry sort of Great Australia project back into production without any reserves. And to the best of my knowledge, um, every company that goes down this strategy ends up broke. Um, but I look at their share registry and they've got Tembo as a major shareholder who usually aren't stupid, so they must know something that I don't. I look at the cash flow. Operations lost $4 million, Another $4 million spent on CapEx. Working capital was sort of plugged by some loans um, in the quarter. $4 million of unsecured loan um, was provided by Tembo, drawn down on the 31st of July. $5 million secured loan uh, from Dida has now been fully drawn. The remaining cash looks skinny. And with debt now secured against the mining tenements, you'd hope ramp up improves cash flow dynamics there. They haven't, uh, they haven't, they've descended a lot since their IPO. Their IPO at 25 cents, I think they're mm -hmm. at 15. They might be up to 17 today, but they 
yeah, haven't hit the mark after that IPO, that's for sure. Yeah, and that, that sort of those cash flow dynamics relate to the um, the Cloncari bit, but they've also got Mount Oxide there. Uh, 3.38 p.m. 5-inch. So F- Isn't it <laughs> FFS, not FFX, for fuck's sake? No, uh, FFX. We attended their AGM and what a quarter it was for them. So their half-year accounts are still not finalised with uh, Auditors PwC. I like this sentence, Maddie. The quarter incurred a number of on-off unbudgeted costs, including, and there's a bunch of dot points there, I wish costs were on-off mate, but I think they meant once off. <laughs> so Number one. <laughs> we, just, we, just, we just turned off rent for the quarter. Imagine if, imagine if your costs were just on, off, on, off. How good would that be? I'd, uh, I'd, love, to, I'd love to be able to do that. But um, oh, We've got a low capital burn business anyway. So <laughs> bloody, yeah, it's all up here, money mourners. Uh, mate, if you wait until the afternoon of the last day of the month to lodge your quarterly, at least proofread at five inch. Very, very, very sloppy. There you go. Mate, reward mineral. Thank you very much, by the way. Uh, mate, mineral sands, reward minerals. Yeah. What's going on here, mate? Your $10 million market cap's a bit out of your realm mm-hmm. of interest sometime, but there's obviously yep. something that sparked it. I um, normally wouldn't bother talking about a $10 million market cap company in trading halt pending a material acquisition, but I love the potash industry, Matty. I just love it so, so much. Uh, SOP Why potash. do you love it? <laughs> I just think it encapsulates um, a lot of, I guess, a lot of the, a lot of the psychology of mining investment in Australia. You all get excited about oh this new thing, and it's all going to look rosy dozy, and then you get excited. You build a team, you put numbers out, and the numbers are all you know not right, and then it gets financed, and then it doesn't work. I just think there's there's a lot to tell in the, the development stories of the WA potash industry. Um, that kind of captures the psychology of, of of how we think and feel about these markets. Um, so yeah, I've just got an affinity to it. <laughs> I like it, mate. You're gonna you have to train me for the passion. Yeah, I like it. yeah. Right. So what's going on? What are they acquiring? I don't know, but I'm speculating here. Remember, Agriman was in um was in a halt for a while, and it was buying Callum Lakes, but the deal was ultimately terminated. I'm wondering if Plan B here was um, to sell to Reward Minerals instead of of Agrimin. So Reward, I think it was a, a Mikruani vehicle um, pursuing its own potash development project, which just seems far fetched these days. And with a only a ten million dollar market cap, if it is Callium Lakes, um, it's picking up and it's you know project there, it won't be paying a very big price tag, which ultimately means it'll be a pretty ugly outcome for the lenders um, of Callium. Yeah, right. So how long? When are they out of the halt? Not sure. Oh. Wait and see. Yeah, everyone that's going into halts now is getting suspended. Yeah, and a lot of the halts are dragging yeah. on. If it takes more than two days, yeah, well, they're, yeah, they're, they're always there's a lot of suspension from quotations. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a thing happening. Yeah, it just takes a while to get the funding together. Yeah, yeah, funding solution, mate. Yeah. Uh, Chrisos, Chrisos, I was fucking, I was going to say that. <laughs> Chrisos, <laughs> photon assays. So yeah, for, for the when we say photon assays, so you've got. I think I'll probably talk about my ass here a bit, but your more conventional method for assaying your gold and all that was is a fire assay. Yep. Whereas this Chrysos have the photon assay yeah. method. Yeah. Um, a lot quicker turnaround. You get to do a lot bigger, a lot bigger sample size. So yep. uh, photon assays are better, better for nuggety yep. ore bodies because your yeah. big, bigger sample size will give you less very that a fire assay would when you've got a real nuggety ore body. So yep. it won't be like shitloads high or shitloads low. Yeah. Give you more 
better median distribution. This you're right, mate. And they're not a they're not a mining company, but a mining technology company. And their ticker is C seventy nine. They're raising seventy five million dollars today at six dollars sixty per share. They IPO'd right when the IPO market started to look pretty shaky. And they opened pretty substantially down on their first day. Oh, really? Day. Oh, I forget how much it was, but it was considerably yeah, down. It was, yeah. So yeah, that like IPO, 40, I think it was like forty percent or something. Something, something crazy. Um, they've had a good run of recent. I'll put the, they have. I'll put the price up. It's um, they've yeah. had a really yeah. ever since it shit itself on the IPO open. It's um, yeah. had a pretty good rise since yeah. then. It's it's come back. So the IPO was priced at six dollars fifty. Now they're raising money today to discount at six dollars sixty. So. The capital raising price here is higher than the ultimate IPO um, offer price. So at least the um, the IPO participants are in the money. Um, and the tech is pretty cool, like you talked about, right? Like rapid turnaround time for assays. The units get deployed on site, which enable that, you know, fast turnaround time. Um, and you can see on the chart here, the number of units deployed is trending in the right direction. And like when, when you speak with the gold mining companies that, that use it, they all speak really highly of it they love it so yeah and no, you hear of you know four to six weeks or something for assays can via the conventional means like mm. this whereas these guys obviously yeah make money off leasing this equipment out to site and they're i think i think they're i think there might be central locations where mm. people do have those equipment and other people can use them without leasing it themselves yeah yeah it's so. it's uh not not my wheelhouse but i do love to see mining tech companies which um, you know, have the potential to really improve the cost basis of our miners. So I, I, I hope they become a real success story in the industry. Oh, then 75 million bucks that um, help a lot. It's probably – would you accept 75 million for money of mine? Oh, if someone wanted to buy it outright? Yeah. Oh. 75, I'd probably take 75. I'd take 75, yeah. <laughs> probably go a bit lower. <laughs> if, a, a bit of room for negotiation if needed. It's more scarce than a hoodery hat though. Well, if you, as I said, if we go off the fact that the event sold out in three, was it three or four hours, <laughs> the significantly overpriced hats. No, yeah, mate, nothing's overpriced if they're bloody sold out. Well, if you think of them as a hat, well, they're overpriced. But if you do not have the, if, if it wasn't a money of mine follower, if they looked at that hat, they wouldn't pay a nah. hundred. It's all but, about brand. Mate, yeah, the, that's what I mean. The brand that's what the brand is worth, Ricardinho. Like the people are paying an absolute premium for things that aren't worth that because it's got G C written on it and a money of mine bloody slogan on it. Maddie, like, would you believe the value? Me? Who is the richest man in the world? Uh who is it? Bezos or Musk? No. Nah, nah. Oh, it's that not that Chinese nah. mobile bloody oh, let me get this. Let me get this. Not Bezos, not Mars, not Bill Gates. No. Nah. Uh, not Buffett, not, not Mungo. No. It's Bernard Arnold. You know what he is, mate? The CEO of LVMH. Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy. It's all about fucking brand, mate. That oh, company that, has compounded like crazy. When's he become richest man? Like bloody when all the tech companies went to shit. <laughs> ah, yeah, right. Louis Vuitton. So, yeah, it's, and he, um, he basically created that company via a bunch of, you know, snazzy deals um, and like what mate they're just consumer products consumer products at an insane margin because brand matters a lot yeah yeah <laughs> exactly that's what we got and they don't sell high quantity they sell very low quantity at massive margins and that's what our hoodie hats are
Well, I'm just just to be clear to everyone, I think the hats cost forty odd bucks to make. So like, but with the embroidery and the postage and the thank you cards, so we're not making massive margins. So uh, we had to pretty much price them at that fucking break even. <laughs> but it, but it was a fun experience to see those hats fly out the door, and it just and because if they didn't and. We'd be thinking all this fucking work we do every day, mm-hmm. it would be for nothing. But it makes it worth it for us that people love what we do that much that they'll pay a hundred bucks for that. Love it. Absolutely flattered. So, mate, thanks to all the good money miners. Fella walked past me on the street today and said, "Hey, GC." <laughs> I've never been called a GC before. I'll call everyone else a GC. Oh, that's wicked. I love it, mate. mate speaking of GCs. Speaking of GCs, mate, let's – I've actually wrote them down so I can bloody remember them all. Mate, GCs, Terra Capital, bloody great, great to see those boys in Sydney, natural resource investment specialist, anytime exploration services, the OG – exploration, everything, anywhere, anytime, gurus. you got JP Search, the financial recruitment specialist. Mate, K-Drill, we've talked about them potentially diversifying into man breaking rock with hand and finding ore, but also RC drilling experts, smack power and technology, electrical specialists for the mining industry, old energy, new energy, green energy, they do it all. Mate, KCA site services, Good underground mining feel, underground mining machine hire, ITs, Normats, trucks, and more. Mate, McMahon, McMahon, McMahon Mining Title Services, abbreviated to MMTS, Australia-wide tenement service experts, a too-hard-basket niche-filling company, just like Future Proof Consulting, as we talked about at the top of the show, filling that niche getting your sustainability, your ESG, all your reporting in line so you don't have to bloody do it yourself. And And Brooks. Finally, Trav, this company is really taking off. (laughs) Brooks Airways. We're not doing another sponsorship pitch at the end. Brooks Airways, (laughs) Perth's leading (laughs) charter flight operators. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.